I'm calling supernatural God. And really, it's a response to the heart of our church from the fall as I was able to meet with many of you in small groups. And over and over, I heard, we want a move of God at our church. We want to hunger and thirst for more of God. And so last week, we kind of unveiled this idea of a supernatural God, and we looked at the Holy Spirit's activity throughout Scripture. And we said last week, if you had never been to church, and then you read the Old Testament, and especially the New Testament, we said that there would be a significant expectation of the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. Because certainly in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, as God would dwell within someone, in the Old Testament it was more for a, for a momentary, for a prophet, priest, or king, that the, the Holy Spirit would rest on someone. Then in the New Testament, it talks about us, uh, there's an indwelling, that the Holy Spirit resides in us, and that He's active in every single believer. So if you've asked Jesus in your heart, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And we kind of boiled it down last week to five ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We said that there's a convicting nature of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? That even happens before salvation. That leads to salvation or regeneration, we said. Then there's an indwelling, a, a, a fullness, and then a maturing. How many know when you get saved, you're not all of a sudden super uh, Christian. <laughs> it takes a time. And I'm not sure we ever arrive at super Christian, but God, He matures us. There's a moment where we, where we stop uh, taking milk, the Bible says, and instead we, we uh, you know, can chew on the meat of God's Word. And that's a maturing process. And then also we said last week, there's an empowering. And just a note, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to listen online. Um, these messages, they're kind of building on each other. And, uh, and as we are talking about a supernatural God, I, my prayer, my hope is that it would stir a curiosity. You may sit through these services and say, I'm not sure I believe everything. And I would encourage you to search the scripture for yourself but then also that, that there would be a curiosity and say, okay, I'm not sure, but I'm interested to learn more. And if the Holy Spirit or the, the nature of the Holy Spirit has is, is not been uh, super evident in your life, I would pray that there would be a, a softening and an openness to say, okay, God, if this truly is who you are and how you have worked in history and throughout the scripture and how you desire to work in my life, that we would be open, that we would yield to that. And so in my prayer, I know we come from different backgrounds and different uh, experiences, but, but believing together for God to move. And the result is as we question the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives and we ask God to rekindle for some of us a passion for the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. Maybe looking back at a time in our lives where the Holy Spirit was more active than it is today. As we are praying for all these things, our, my prayer is that there would be a hunger and thirst for God. But what I want to also say is that what we're not looking for is something manufactured, something fake, self-made or dramatic. That's not God. But we want an authentic move of God right here among us, in our lives, and, uh, and that would help us. And so we've got to grapple between what we know 
uh, the knowledge and what our experience is. And our prayer is that we would close the gap between what we know and how we live and that there would be a hunger for a supernatural God. Amen? And so that's what we're talking about. Last week, we looked at the activity of Scripture or activity of the Holy Spirit through Scripture. And today, I want us to look at the idea or the question, why do we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? Why do we need a supernatural God to be present and active in our lives. And what I want us to walk away with, the bottom line for me, is that it's not just a good idea to have the Holy Spirit active in our lives. And I don't want to be over dramatic here. I just said we don't want dramatics, right? But I believe, as I've studied and as I've asked God to reveal, it, the idea of the Holy Spirit in our lives, why we need it, it's a matter of life and death. And it's so important. There's nothing more important in our lives that the Holy Spirit will be moving in our lives. So let's talk a little bit about how we judge our lives and maybe how we judge the activity uh, uh, of the church. And we talked a little bit about this at the turn of the year as far as what kind of measures are we going to measure ourselves by. So let's talk about the church because it's always easier to talk about someone else, right? than ourselves. So what, what do we, how do we measure the, uh, the activity or uh, the success of a church? Many times, it's through the quality of our worship. How many have ever walked away saying, oh man, I really like that song? Or boy, I really felt God in that, in that song or that music. And so it's the quality of worship, music, song selection. How, how many of you ever walked away saying, boy, that message that, that really appealed to me, uh, you know, I understood it, or maybe it, it, it was uh, passionate, um, and maybe it was funny or creative, special effects, you know, something fun. Uh, and the reality is that oftentimes we will walk out of here after a corporate setting, and we will measure the success of what we did by how we felt. And oftentimes we don't judge it by how the Holy Spirit was moving, which is really the reason we're here, is for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. How about personally? We judge ourselves by and say we will be a success if we you know, have a certain family structure, or if I could just get married, or if I could accumulate enough money or wealth, or boy, we measure success by the way that we might vacation, or what we know, or our education, or knowledge. And oftentimes, we do not judge ourselves by the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, I'm reading a book, and I, or I've read a book, and kind of uh, been uh, looking at a book that, is, that describes the Holy Spirit as a forgotten God, Francis Chan. Interesting book, very challenging book. In fact, uh, maybe our, our young adults are considering, uh, we've talked about uh, with some of the young adults about going through that book in their small group that meets on Sunday afternoons, and it's a possibility. And I, it's interesting how God, we, He wants to move in our lives, but oftentimes we don't uh, even recognize what God is doing. On Wednesday night, we sat around tables at our small group here that meets on Wednesday nights, and, uh, we, and I gave an assignment. I said, take the next three to five minutes and talk about how the Holy Spirit is active in your lives as a response to last week's message. 
And you know, it takes a minute for us to get our mind around the idea that the Holy Spirit is working. He is encouraging us, and He is helping us. Now, it's interesting, A.W. A. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, he also says this, and you can put up the, uh, the quote here. It says this, it says, We may as well face it, talking about the church as a whole. He says, The whole level of spirituality among us is low. Now, this was written back uh, in, 19, in the 1940s. And he's saying even at that point in history that the level of spirituality among us is low. That's how he saw it. And I, I, would, I, I kind of grapple with that, saying, okay, is that true here? And, uh, and, and certainly it's worth asking the question. It says, we have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the things of the Spirit is all but gone. We have imitated the world, right? Worldly success. We've sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute the power of the Holy Ghost. Whew. That's pretty powerful. That takes some guts to write that down and to be able to even ask the question, is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Or to ask the question, do we even need the Holy Spirit in our lives? I would say that we all do need to give the Holy Spirit room to work in our lives. But you know what's interesting? Is as we, we can measure, uh, we can uh, you know, uh, look at two different individuals, a believer, someone that's surrendered their life to Christ, and a non-believer, someone that hasn't found Christ yet. In, is it true that... In an unbeliever's life, there can be more joy sometimes, more welcoming spirit, more peacefulness, less sinful behavior than a believer. Or that a believer could be less patient or less uh, filled with goodness or less, they would have less self-control than an unbeliever. And the question for us to grapple with is that there should be, I would think, there should be a huge difference between a believer and an unbeliever in regards to our character and the way we live. Would you agree? There should be. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit as believers because the life, our lives are full of serious challenges. We've talked about it in, in worship. What are you facing today? What are you facing at home or in your finances or at school, students? What are you facing at work or with your friends? Is there sickness? Is there trouble? How about persecution or trials or pain that is often it's just part of human nature? We need the Holy Spirit to be active in all of these areas. But there's another area of our lives that's kind of hard to talk about. And that's the area where our flesh, our sin nature, is evident. And I want to talk about today, our focus, is that the Holy Spirit, our supernatural God, He will help us with our sin nature to address those areas of our lives that are fleshly. 
I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. And I want to look at a couple verses here. We'll look at John 14, then John 16. And we'll end up in Galatians chapter 5. And I'll, I will see if I, uh, my iPod's working by then. All right, John 14. Let's look at the word of the Lord here. This is Jesus here in John chapter 14. Let's look at verses 16. Let's start in 15, actually. Jesus is he's promising the Holy Spirit. He's talking to his disciples here. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. I love that. But verse 16 says this. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Why? For he lives with you and will be in you. Turn over to John chapter 16, just a page over. Again, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, and it's a little lengthier. Let's look at this here. And uh, it says here in verse 5, it says, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Can you just imagine Jesus, he's working with his disciples, all kinds of miraculous things happening. And he's saying, all right, I'm going to have to leave. There would be some grief. There would be some pain associated with that. For the disciples, there would be some confusion. I, we got to understand that. But then he says, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now let me just stop there for a moment. How many of you would say, if Jesus, in person, human Jesus would walk with you every step of, of your day, at work, at school, um, you know, at the gym, uh, extracurricular activities in your neighborhood as you're shoveling snow. If Jesus, human Jesus, who lived on, if he would walk with you, how many would think that your life would be impacted or maybe be a little different? Okay? I would say that that would impact my life in a positive direction, <laughs> right? I think that would be true. But Jesus said it would be better for him to not remain in this earth, not to walk with us and to do that, but instead it would be better to send the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And the reality is that the Holy Spirit is in us. And we have to just embrace that. All right, let's look at verse 12. It says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. That is why I said the Holy, or that the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see no more of me. And then after a little while, 
you will see me again. Wow, really powerful. The Holy Spirit active. The work of the Holy Spirit being promised to come to us. I want you to turn now to Galatians chapter 5. And I want to look in, uh, at, at this in the Amplified Version because there's some, some richness in that. And I want us to look at, uh, starting in verse 16, uh, Galatians chapter 5. And just listen to what it says here. Uh, Jesus, or Paul has uh, encouraged the church in Galatia that they are sons and daughters of Christ. It's interesting that that was even brought up this morning, that there was a sonship, a daughtership, that we are Christ, uh, we are God's sons and daughters. He also talks about the, uh, the freedom that is established um, from the law, from the Old Testament law. There's a, he, he grapples with that idea that there's freedom from the law. And then he comes to a point in Galatians chapter 5 where he is encouraging the church to live by the Spirit. And I want us to understand that as we live by the Spirit and as we address our sin nature, that uh, it's, it's addressed right here. I want you to pay attention to what it says. You can follow along on the screen. It says this. It says, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Let that just sink in. Read that to yourself. I need to walk and live in the Holy Spirit, being responsive, controlled, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Then it says, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, of human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh, verse 17, are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. Godless human nature, for these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and, uh, and in conflict with each other. Let me just stop there just for a second. The, the reality, and we'll talk about it in a second, is that you cannot be living in the Spirit and be gratifying the sinful nature at the same time. It's impossible. And that's an important thing that, that Paul is telling the Galatian church, he's telling us this morning. So then it says, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. But, verse 18, if you are guided or led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. So he brings back the law, the freedom that comes as we are led by the Spirit. We're not bound by the law because the reality is, and this is huge, that we as individuals, as human beings, there is no amount of willpower that any of us can have that we could fulfill every step of the law. It's impossible. But, verse 18, but if you are guided, led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. It says now, verse 19, the doings, the practices of the flesh are clearly obvious. Like we need a list, but let's look at it just in case. It says they are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, Party spirit, factions, sex, uh, sex with particular opinions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, c- 
carousing and the like. And then he says, I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The sin, the flesh in our lives will keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. Then verse 22, of course, talks about the gifts of the Spirit. I want to skip to verse 25 that says this, if we live by the Spirit, though, the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. And that's exactly what God desires for us, is to be walking with the Spirit. A couple bullet points here that are important, as, that I, highlights that I think are important. That the works of the flesh, like I mentioned, are impossible if we are walking in the Spirit. In other words, if we are full of the Spirit, we will not get caught up in the world, in the sinful nature, the list there that we, that we read. There's no middle ground. If flesh appears in our lives, if sin appears, then we have stopped living by the Spirit. Now that's hard to say. Now what I'm not saying is that, the, that we lose our salvation. This is an important distinction because there are some theology that would say, well, you can lose your salvation just like that. What we're talking about is a sanctification process. At the moment that you are saved, there's a justification that happens that just as if you've never sinned, it's a legal document. Because Jesus paid the price for your sin and you accept that, you are free. You are clothed in righteousness. The way God looks at you at that moment is that you are perfect. In fact, that's the only way you could be received into heaven is by being clothed in righteousness. It's not by your own works, and we understand that. But the process of sanctification is so important. Dealing, grappling with the, the, or the, the, uh, the, our sinful nature. And what's great is that our supernatural God, the Holy Spirit, He is the one that helps us with our flesh. Without it, without the Holy Spirit's power, there's no eternal life. Without a supernatural God, there's no sanctification. Without a supernatural God, our sinful nature will take control. I love what, uh, how the, the Holy Spirit reveals Himself in different ways throughout Scripture. And as I was studying this week, there was a, a small passage in Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 10, that described the Spirit of God as, as an oil being poured out on the children of Israel. Really powerful illustration. And it says this, it says, A spirit of grace and supplication would be poured out on Israel. And of course, Jeremiah there is looking forward to when Christ would be coming. But what I want you to see is that a spirit of grace, and we talked about grace early on this year, being favor, the favor of God is poured out Unmerited favor, we don't, we don't deserve it, but a supernatural favor is poured out with the full measure of God into our lives. That's possible. That's what God desires. 
He doesn't want us to live on our own. He wants to empower us to fill us with His Spirit to help us to combat the things in our lives, the things of this world that so easily entangle us. Now, I want to get your attention and ask you some questions. Do you need the full measure of God in your life to be poured out on you today? Some of you are saying yes and saying oh, for sure. There's others of you that maybe question the necessity of that. You're saying, hey, I'm doing okay on my own. Maybe you would even say it boldly, you don't need the Holy Spirit in your life. And I want to encourage you to, to wrestle with that. But I want us all to examine the way that we are living. The things in our lives. Do you expect the Holy Spirit to act in your life, at work, at school? Is that expectation misguided or self-serving at times? I can certainly relate to that. Just put yourself in my shoes for a moment, saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to move at our church so we can grow, right? Is it misguided? Is there self-serving? Do you live on your own strength. And I'm looking at some of you. Have, some of you have incredible gifts and talents, abilities. Do you live on your own strength? Or do you rest in the Holy Spirit being active in your life? What about when it comes to living a holy life? Peter says that we are to be holy even as Christ is holy. He wouldn't have said that if it's not possible. And so how are you doing in areas of purity in your life? Do you live a godly life with the help of the Holy Spirit? I want to stand before you this morning and say uh, the truth for me is that I need a supernatural God to help me as your pastor. I have not arrived. I need the indwelling, the maturing supernatural God, the convicting supernatural of God, a supernatural nature of God to be active and present in my life. And if I could be so bold, you need that too. There's not one of us that are exempt. We need that. Is your life different from those who do not even confess Jesus as Lord? If we were going to bring you up and and uh, as a believer, and bring a non-believer that's just a good person living? Is there a difference? Are you tired of living in a way that looks more like those who do not have the Holy Spirit in their lives? Perhaps you've been ignoring the Holy Spirit? See, the reality is, is that if the Holy Spirit empowers us, which I believe He does, and He wants to, there should be some amazing improvements in our lives. Let me give you a silly illustration that if there was some sort of encounter with God that I could experience that would give me a supernatural ability to play basketball, all right? And I love to play basketball. I play, try to play every week. Wouldn't you expect that if there was some sort of encounter with God that there would be an amazing improvement in my jump shot or my defense 
or the speed, because I'm slowing down, let me tell you, I play with Andy sometimes, man, it's like, and I hurt the next day. But wouldn't you expect some improvement? And if not, if there wasn't some sort of supernatural increase in my ability to play ball, wouldn't you question the encounter altogether? Well, shouldn't there be an amazing improvement in our lives as we experience the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives as well? And I know it's a process, but our lives should be changed, should be challenged. Our church, as we experience the Holy Spirit, should be changed and should be challenged. And the reality, if we look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, we read it earlier in the Amplified, but let's look at it here. It says, it says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live this way in, in, to the sinful nature or into the nature of our flesh, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a matter of life and death. And the reality is that we must live. God is calling us to live and the awareness of the Holy Spirit's strength in our lives. We cannot make it on our own. I stand before you just like you, and, we, and I need the Holy Spirit to be active, and you need the Holy Spirit to be active in your life. So we come to a point. Last week, we talked about drawing a line in the sand and saying, okay, God, I, I know there's, there was an activity of the Holy Spirit in uh, it throughout the throughout scripture and then i said let's take a step of faith right over that line and ask the holy spirit to be active in our own lives and that can be scary for some of us well today in that as we experience uh, maybe you took that step last week and said okay i'm believing for more of you in my life but you know as we do that there should be a maturing an indwelling in the Spirit that helps us address the areas of our flesh that so easily trip us up. There's a list here in Galatians chapter 5 from immorality to, um, to just all kinds of grief. Um, you know, Jealousy, anger, tempered, selfishness. The reality is that we all can get caught up in the sinful nature. But where this morning are you struggling the most? And as believers, I believe it's important that we would be honest and to say, where I'm weak, I need the Holy Spirit to be active. I need a supernatural God to help me. And to surrender, say, okay, God, I can't do it on my own. And that's where I want us to go this morning. Brennan, you can come. This morning, I want every single one of us to think about our lives. Not think about the neighbors, not to think about your, your spouse and say, boy, they really need this. 
Or, you know, it's easier to identify that in others, isn't it, sometimes? But to take a look inside and say, God, in regards to the flesh or the sinful nature, where in my life do I need the Holy Spirit's presence? Where do I need help? In the first area that we all have to come to grips with, is our relationship with the Lord. There's a regenerating process that happens as the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our lives. We call that salvation. Surrendering our lives to Jesus, to someone that is greater than us, someone that has the ability to pay the price for our sin. And if you this morning away from the Lord or don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, let me just say, there is forgiveness for your sins. The things that you've done wrong can be covered and paid for in an instant. As you just say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And you put your trust in Jesus. So this morning, I'm wondering, is there anyone here that is desiring that reality to happen in your life? For Jesus to save you, to forgive you of your sins. And just with, I'm not even asking to close your eyes. If you're here this morning, you're away from the Lord, or you need Jesus to forgive you this morning, would you just be honest and raise your hand here this morning? anyone here saying, yeah, I need to get my life right with the Lord away from Jesus. If I were to die today, I'm not sure I'd make it to heaven. <laughs> Would God save me? Yes, he would. Anyone at all looking around? Can we be so bold to just maybe turn to the neighbor next to us and just say, do you need Jesus to save want anyone to walk away from here this morning without that reality becoming uh, supernatural in your life and for God to touch you in that way. Yeah. Just take a second to do that. To know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is your Savior. Anyone at all? Anyone need to respond and say, yep, that's me. Is it true that at the moment of salvation that Jesus forgives us of all of our sin? We believe that. That's what God's Word says. But do we also, could we agree that our sinful nature can be really sneaky and really tricky? It can be difficult. Isn't that true? I know it's true in my life. And if that's the truth in your life, which I assume it is, but you've got to come to grips with that, would you this morning, right where you are, just stand, if you would say, God, I need help with my sinful nature. 
And if I was sitting, let me just sit down for a second. I'm just going to count to the count of three. And I'm going to ask that we'd stand up together, <laughs> if that's the case. Brendan, he's already standing. You ever struggle with that? You're the sinful nature? Yeah. So on the count of three, would we just be honest? If that's the case, would you stand? One, two, three. If you need God's help to address the sinful nature in our lives. Yeah. It's so true. And the way we can address the sinful nature in our lives is by embracing more of God. The stronger our relationship with the Lord is, the less we will give in to the sinful nature. Do you believe that? And God desires that in our lives as we press in to all that he has for us. Now I realize if I asked all of you to come forward this morning, you know, we wouldn't have room at the altars. But could we, just wherever you are, or maybe you desire to move out and come forward, could you just close your eyes and let God start to do a work in your life and ask Him, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to live by the Spirit. Help me to live, to walk, to be guided by your Holy Spirit. Just in your own words, just tell the Lord, God, help us. Help us, Lord. God, help me, God. Help me to, to not to succumb to the temptations of sin in my life. Help me, Lord, to walk in your spirit. There should be a difference, God, in my life because of your working. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would help, that you would move powerfully in my life and in our lives together, God. And Lord, we realize that that happens in your presence you help us, you strengthen us. Lord, we just call upon you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. God, help us. God, help us. Help us, God. Help us, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. There's been a song that's been on my heart all week long. We sang it last week in response to what the Holy Spirit was doing. I want us to sing it together in unity. Simple song. It says, more love, more power, more of you in my life. And if that's your desire, I want you not just to sing it, you know, and make a joyful noise uh, with your mouth. But sing it from the depths of your spirit. More love, more power, more of you in my life. And then there's a part that says, I will worship you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. You are my God. Let this just resonate this morning right here in our hearts. And let's sing that together. More love, more power. Thank you, Jesus. More power. More power. again more love more love help us God 
to help you maybe in an area of your life. These altars are open. And we're going to sing through this song again and whatever else the Lord might put on Brendan's heart to, to play. And I just want this place to be a place of prayer. And if you have to leave, I understand. But don't hustle off and say, all right, this, that was good, that felt good. Rest in the Holy Spirit. Ask for his help. Seek the Lord. With the measure that you seek him, you will find him. And we need the Holy Spirit. So this is the official closing. But I'm going to ask that no one would talk in here. If you want to head on out and there's a bake sale and we understand all that, keep your conversation to outside. This is a place for the Holy Spirit to rest, for us to do some business with God. So let me say a closing prayer. Lord, I pray that as we, in these closing moments, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would draw us to you and help us, Lord, not to do it on our own, but Lord, to rest in you. And Lord, I pray as we leave here, God, that you would help us to live, to walk in your spirit. We'll give you the praise all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue. This is a place of worship, and you don't have to run right off. If you want to come forward, we can pray. We can ask God.
Father of 